Hey, thanks for joining us this week here at New Love in Christ Church. We are so excited you decided to join us. We believe God has something special in store. If you would like to connect with us, you can visit us on our website at newlovecc.org or here at the church building in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, every Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our contemporary service. We are so thankful that you joined us. We hope God blesses you and have a great day. It's great to be with you. Thanks for joining us again for this uh, online presentation of our message. And I'd invite you to join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we look to your word today, we ask that your spirit would again help us to understand the meaning of scripture and apply it to our lives. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you've probably heard the phrase, we need a miracle. Or maybe you've said, I need a miracle. Others might say, it will take a miracle for something to happen. And, and today we want to uh, answer that question or ask you that question, do you believe in miracles? Do you believe in miracles? Specifically, do you believe in the miracles of the Bible? Uh, there's an old uh, rock song that said, if only you believe in miracles. If only you believed in miracles, so would I. And we have that concept, that question of, do other people believe in miracles? Can, can we join them in believing in miracles? Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Miracles. If you've never read it, this uh, great intellect of the Christian faith uh, shared in, in that uh, book a definition of miracles. He said it's an interference with nature by a supernatural power. The simplest, shortest definition we can give might be Lewis's when he says it's an interference with nature, with natural laws, by a supernatural power, a power that supersedes nature, that's superior to nature, that's over nature. Biblically, miracles serve to authenticate the divine uh, commission of a religious teacher or leader, and the truth of his message. So we're going to look today at some of the passages, uh, especially in the Old Testament, of miracles that are, frankly, hard to believe. But Lewis says in that book, Miracles, that we have to make a decision whether we're going to be a naturalist or a supernaturalist. He says a, a miracle... Uh, is impossible to the naturalist, the person who says that the world around us, the world of nature, is all it is. It exists in its own time, and nothing else exists. And so, by definition, there can't be any one outside nature to interfere with nature. The supernaturalist believes that one thing exists on its own, God exists on his own. And he's produced this framework of space and time and events that, that fill that space and time that we call the natural world. If naturalism is true, that there's nothing beyond the natural world, the universe as we see it and experience it in its material sense, then miracles are impossible because there's nothing outside nature to come in and interfere and intervene. But if supernaturalism is true, Lewis says, then miracles may occur. 
They may not at any given time. But our choice that we have to make as human beings, looking at the world around us, is do we believe that there's nothing outside the realm of nature, or do we, we believe that there is something superior to and beyond nature that has an existence of its own? Well, Lewis said that uh, something beyond nature operates whenever you and I think about things, whenever we use reason, whenever we uh, have rational thoughts. He says, how can nature produce that? How can the physical world produce rational thought. Nature is powerless to produce rational thought, Lewis argues, and he also says that to believe that nature produced God or produced the human mind is absurd. It's absurd, he says, to believe that. Believing that the two are both independently uh, self-existent is impossible. So, the only conclusion is that God created nature. And that's really the first miracle uh, that's recorded in the Bible. Back in the book of Genesis, it says, In the beginning, God created. That he brought everything into being. And that isn't following the rules of nature. It's actually creating nature and its natural laws and all that flows out of that. Well, there's four Greek words for uh, miracles. Miracles. Many people deny that miracles are possible because they're naturalists. They're atheists. They believe that the physical world is all there is. And uh, so people lose confidence in Scripture when they begin to deny that miracles are even a possibility. This is a major stumbling block to faith. For many people. And so we're going to uh, take a, a close and, and biblical look at miracles today. We're going to find one of them, two of them that we'll focus on in the Old Testament today in uh, the book of Joshua. So I'd uh, urge you to turn to chapter 3 if you're uh, looking at your Bible at home. It tells us there in chapter 3 of Joshua, verse 1, that Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, uh, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant and the Lord your God, the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your position and follow it. Well, Joshua told the people in verse 5, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. The Lord will do amazing things among you. He's referring to a miracle that God had promised him. In the New Testament, we have four words, four Greek words for a miracle, that designate a miracle. One is simeon, a sign, a sign. It's a sign attesting to uh, God's presence, God's working. It's the sign of a higher power that can overcome the natural powers of the orders. The second Greek word is tatara, I'm sorry, tarata, or wonders, a wonder-causing event, producing astonishment in the people that see it. Then there's dunamis, might works, or mighty works, works of supernatural power, of a new and a higher power. The fourth is simply erga, or works. The works 
of him who is wonderful in working. So the Bible says that there are the works of God. There are the wonders of God. There are the signs of God. So signs and wonders and mighty works, uh, the things that God does are what we call miracles. Joshua told the people, get ready. You're going to see tomorrow the Lord doing amazing things among you. And so he told the priests they were to go and, and stand at the edge of the river Jordan to stand in the water as they entered it. And he said to the Israelites, come and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you. And he'll certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. Well, lots of tongue-twisting words of the tribes and the nations and city-states that were there living in the land God had promised them in Canaan. And so it says in verse 14, when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage at this time of year, during, all during the harvest. As soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. Stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. It tells you exactly how far the water was backed up, and it says, in effect, that God put an invisible dam across the Jordan River while it was at flood stage, and the water's piled up in a heap. There's no dam to block the view. There's simply this invisible dam, and the Jordan River backs up. The water backs up as far as this small town referred to. Amazing. This is what the people saw. A tremendous miracle. The water is cut off, and so the people crossed over. They stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Now, do you believe that happened? Do you believe the Bible is telling the truth that this is a real-life history and the recording of a miracle performed by the power of God? Well, that's what we're asked to believe. Not only of this miracle, but many others. And we can uh, go on uh, today to uh, look at what happens next. They cross the Jordan River, and the Bible tells us that this happens next in chapter 6 it says the gates of Jericho they're the enemy city blocking their way into the promised land into Canaan has its doors securely barred they have great walls and it says no one went out and no one came in and the Lord said to Joshua I've delivered Jericho into your hands now Jericho is uh, on the uh, UNESCO a list of historic nation or historic sites it's considered to be the oldest town in the world and the bible tells us about that town and and that it stood in the way of god's people along with its king and its fighting men i've delivered jericho into your hands now he tells them something very strange march around the city once with all the armed men do this for six days just march around the city have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times. 
with the priests blowing the trumpets. Now, this does not make rational sense, but God tells them to do it, to do it as an expression of belief and faith. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua calls the priests, tells them what to do. He spoke to the people, and he uh, commanded the army, do not give a war cry or raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. He's following God's instructions. He's obeying God in this uh, almost crazy directive uh, in the attack on a, an armed city. They're to be silent. They're to march around. And so uh, the ark of the Lord is with them and the priests and the army returns to camp. Early the next day, they took up the ark of God. And it says on the seventh day, after six days of marching around silently, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times, as God had directed them. The seventh time around, the priests sounded the trumpet blast, and Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The Lord has given you the city. In verse 20 tells us when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. This walled city has its walls simply collapse supernaturally, miraculously, so that everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Now that's just one of many, many miracles. There are over 80 miracles. Most would count in the Old Testament. Uh, about 80 in the New Testament as well. And people consider and count uh, and come up with uh, some different conclusions. But the Bible is filled with miracles. This is one of the dramatic ones. And it reminds us that miracles both generate faith, faith in God, as the people crossed the Jordan River, as they saw the walls come tumbling down, falling down, the walls of Jericho uh, collapse in front of them, and God opens the way for their beginning of their taking over the promised land, the land that he promised to his people. And so we find in the Bible that God uses miracles to generate faith, to create faith in us, and to confirm belief in him, to confirm our belief in him. And so Hebrews, uh, the book of Hebrews has uh, just one little verse in, in chapter 11. And it tells us there that we see in this story an example of faith. It says in verse 30 of Hebrews 11, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Not just by the power of God, but by faith. By the faith of Joshua, the faith of the people, the faith of the army and the priests, that God was going to do this. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. So God is not limited by natural law in what he does, and occasionally he demonstrates himself and his power 
in just dramatic ways that we call miracles. Jesus confirmed the connection of faith, the dependence of miracles on faith uh, in several ways. In Mark 5, 34, he talked to the woman who had that uh, long-term health problem and she worked her way through the crowd and she touched him and she believed. She had faith that if she touched him, his miraculous power would heal her. And she felt that happen when she touched him by faith. And ultimately, Jesus said to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Now, it was the miraculous power of God and the power of Jesus to heal, but he made this connection. He said, your faith has healed you. And he said that more than once in, in other settings. Your faith has healed you. According to your faith, be it unto you. And so there's a connection between faith and God working miracles. Did Joshua have to do those things for God to have the power to knock down the walls of Jericho? Well, no, but God told him to do them as an expression of his faith to show the people that God, in fact, had appointed Joshua the leader to replace Moses, that they could trust him, that they could know that God was working through him to accomplish his purposes for the, the people of Israel. And in Mark uh, 9.22, you had that man who brought his son who was uh, just uh, being oppressed by a, a demonic force in his life. And he came to Jesus and he asked him, if you can do anything, take pity on us. And Jesus responded to him, if you can, if you can. He said, everything is possible for the one who believes Everything is possible for the one who believes. So there it's that is again, that belief, that faith that frees up God to do miracles in our lives and in the scriptures. And so we see that, that connection that God and Jesus, his son, makes between faith and belief and the power of God moving in, in supernatural ways. Miracles. Now, they're never common. They aren't common, even in the Bible. You say, what? There's all sorts of miracles in the Bible. Well, Sarah, at age 90, was able to be pregnant and give birth uh, to a child when she was long past childbearing years. And that's the beginning of the nation of Israel, all those descendants of Abraham. It starts with a miracle. Abraham laughed when God told him it was going to happen at his age of 100 and hers of 90. And Sarah laughed as well. God performed that miracle. But Abraham, it says, believed God. He believed him. Uh, we had the parting of the Red Sea. All the miracles connected to that. The manna from heaven as they wandered in the wilderness and God provided miraculously and that stopped as soon as they entered the promised land and didn't need God to provide in that way anymore. Uh, there's the parting of the Jordan River, that miracle, and the fall of Jericho. But you know, the history of the Bible is going over thousands of years, and we have these, these miracles reported. We have the miracles of Elijah and Elisha, but that's just two men in the course of their lifetime doing these miracles. We have the, the miracle of, of Jonah. But people in Bible times weren't all seeing miracles. We sometimes think, well, if I could just see a miracle, I could truly and really believe. 
but most of the people who lived through the Bible didn't see directly uh, these miracles happen. They weren't in that generation over those thousands of years. There was the fiery furnace uh, in the time of the Babylonian exile, and there was the uh, closing of the lion's mouths in uh, Daniel's case in that den of lions, and there was the handwriting on the wall. But these reports of miracles are spread out over, over many, many years uh, through scriptures. So don't make your faith dependent on your personally seeing an actual miracle. When I said I was going to preach on miracles, someone kidded me and said, are you going to do one? Are you going to do one? Well, no, I'm not going to expect that I'm in a situation where God is going to uh, do a miracle as I preach about it. Uh, because miracles are relatively rare uh, throughout Scripture itself, though there are lots of miracles, 80 of them, more than 80 probably referred to in both each, the Old and the New Testament. But miracles are essential uh, to the message of the Bible. They're essential to the message of the Bible. You know, Thomas Jefferson decided to translate the New Testament, and he removed all the miracles. He tried to translate the Gospels without the miracles because he was a, a deist and uh, didn't want to believe in the supernatural. Of course, that gutted the Gospel and the, the miracles are so central to the life and teaching of Jesus that you can't remove them and still have the good news. Essentials. Miracles are critical crucial, essential to the whole message of the Bible from the beginning uh, to the end. Creation itself is a miracle. Sarah giving birth to Isaac is a miracle. God intervening, overcoming the natural course of events, the miracles of the Exodus, the ten plagues, the miracles of entering the promised land, crossing the Jordan River at flood stage, of taking the promised land, beginning with what was probably the largest city of its day, Jericho, that guarded the southern entrance to Canaan, that the people were entering, promised by God. Miracles confirm the message of the prophets, not just Elijah and Elisha, but, but many others, and they confirm, Jesus says, his teaching as well. The reality is that if you don't believe in miracles, uh, you cannot believe the Bible. You cannot believe the message and the teaching of the Bible if you don't believe in miracles. Because the Bible, again and again, points us to a higher power, the intervention of God in the natural course of events, uh, reversing at times, controlling the laws of nature that are normally operating so that Jesus could walk on water, so that Elijah could make an iron axe head float. Uh, they are a sign. They're a token of the presence of God, the working of God. These wonders, they uh, demonstrate and and illustrate that God is at work sometimes in the life life of a teacher a prophet and certainly in the life of of Jesus these things that are out of ordinary that catch our attention that draw us 
to the point where we say this is supernatural. This is miraculous. It goes beyond anything uh, we can ordinarily see or believe. And so the uh, testimony of others, even in Bible times, the testimony of others was important because most people didn't see these miracles. They heard the reports of the miracles from those who experienced them and, and lived through them. But witnesses to miracles can be credible. They can be believable, and you and I need to understand that uh, the atheist, uh, the natural uh, naturalist who believes that nature is all there is, they, they have to deny that there's something else, that there's something beyond. They deny God, but God makes it clear that he is over his creation when he performs miracles. And he wants us uh, to believe in him. He wants us to have faith in him. He wants us to have faith in his word. So you and I have to come to the point where we believe in the miracles of the Bible. Otherwise, its, it's essential message is, is gone. We have to believe those who wrote the Bible were faithful witnesses, that they're telling the truth. You know, if you don't believe in the miracles that the Bible reports, you're basically saying, I can't, I will not believe those who have given account of these miracles. I won't believe Joshua. I won't believe the people of that generation. I won't believe Elijah, Elisha. I won't believe the prophets. I don't believe Daniel actually was telling the truth when he said what happened in the lion's den. We could go on and on. Uh, you and I, if we want to be people of faith, if we want to believe God, we've got to believe his word. We've got to believe those who give testimony to miracles in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Next week, we'll focus on miracles in the New Testament, but I've lifted out just a couple from the Old Testament uh, to illustrate today. But the Bible records these miracles. And you know, if you don't believe in miracles, you don't believe Jesus either. Because he made it clear in his teaching that he believed the miracles of the Old Testament. He also made it clear that uh, we need to believe him. His words, the things that he taught, but here's what he said uh, to his disciples in John 14, in verse 11. He's, he's having this uh, conversation uh, with his men, his uh, immediate uh, followers. And don't miss what Jesus says here in John 14. He had told them, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. You can't get to the Father except by me. And then he's continuing to... Uh, talk with them and Philip says just show us the father will you just show us the father Jesus that will be enough for us and he answered him don't you know me Philip even after I've been among you such a long time they'd seen all the signs and wonders he had performed anyone who has seen me has seen the father how can you say show us the father in verse 10 says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, 
I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. The works that I do, the Father guides me to do. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe, now get this, at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. That works is one of the four Greek terms for miracles. Jesus had performed many tremendous works or miracles. And he says uh, to Philip, one of, one of the twelve, he says, hey, if you can't believe what I'm saying to you, at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Well, you've, had, you've seen so many miracles, Philip. You've seen these miracles. Believe me on the basis of them. They demonstrate my connection to God, my authority. They show you that I'm doing what the Father would do, is doing through me. Wow. It's pretty important that you and I believe the miracles of the Bible, that we believe that miracles are possible, that God has done them, they've been recorded, they've been accounted for by many, many witnesses and by Jesus himself. Maybe... We need to close with uh, a simple uh, prayer today from uh, Mark chapter 9. There Jesus had a man who came to him and talked about his son that had this uh, evil spirit that has been tormenting his son. And he comes to Jesus. He, he says, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for the one who believes. Jesus says, you've got to believe. See that? Again, there's that connection of belief and faith to God, to Jesus himself, doing miracles, accomplishing miracles, demonstrating his power. And so many of his miracles are that power to heal miraculously Jesus says everything is possible for the one who believes immediately the boy's father exclaimed I do believe help me overcome my unbelief can you identify doubts can creep in it's difficult intellectually rationally to Believe the tremendous miracles of the Bible, the supernatural interventions of God. But Jesus says that's critical to us experiencing the power of God in our lives, to seeing God do the things that he wants to do. And he says, everything is possible for the one who believes. All things are possible with God, but you have to connect to God through belief through faith, and this man says, help me, help me overcome my unbelief. I believe, but I have this mixture of faith and fear and faith and doubt and belief and unbelief. Help me, Jesus. Let's pray and ask him to do that for each of us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the power of your word, for the many tremendous, stupendous miracles that we read about in Scripture. And Lord, we know that it's critical to 
your word, to the Bible, to our faith, that we believe, that we be able to say, I believe in the miracles. I believe in that power, dear God, that makes nothing impossible for you. So Jesus, help us today. Help us to overcome our unbelief and have full faith and trust in you. We ask it in your holy and powerful name. Amen. Well, thank you again for being with us. And I pray that uh, God's Spirit will help us all to grow in our faith and belief. God bless you.